You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, serving you up quick-hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host The Daily Cheese, Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers, because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We're fresh on the heels of last week's 37-30 win over the New Orleans Saints, and we're looking ahead to the Atlanta Falcons. Gil, how are you doing tonight? I am doing all right. How about you? Ah, uh, never better. Can you talk to us about this New Orleans game? I'll tell you, I was overall very pleased with the way the Packers performed in New Orleans. When the schedule was released a few months back, I, I sort of had this game marked down as a probable loss, uh, but Aaron Rodgers was fantastic. Alan Lazard stepped up, you know, no Devontae Adams, but between Lazard's very strong game and and running a lot of uh, play action, crossing patterns to the tight ends off of bootlegs, uh, they were able to move the ball quite effectively. The running game was efficient, if not spectacular, and the defense came up with a turnover at the right time and a couple of stops at the right time, just enough to get it done. Yeah, and another nice thing was that we got to see some guys step up who have not historically been contributors on the defense. I'm talking specifically about uh, Mr. Kingsley Kiki, who got two sacks. Uh, He got a sack fumble, um, which unfortunately was recovered by the Saints, but he was a disruptor. We had uh, Mr. Billy Wynn. This was his first NFL game uh, since 2017, I believe. Yeah. And wow. yeah. uh, we called him up from the practice squad this week, put him out there. He only played six snaps, but one of those, he got a pass deflection. So uh, that was really nice to see. And then the other name that I saw uh, all night long, I kept seeing number 36 run all over the field and always be in the mix of things. And I kept racking my brains going, who in the world is 36? Finally had a chance to look it up. That is Mr. Vernon Scott, seventh round safety that we picked up this year in the 2020 draft. Uh, He was a guy that I really liked his upside because he had some cool highlights, Uh, even though overall he was not a real big draft prospect. I felt like this was a guy who might work really hard and come up for us big in some in some ways and uh, I I feel like he did a, an admirable job. He was one of the guys uh, when Oren Burks managed to cause a fumble on uh, the return, the Saints return. Um, I noticed Scott in the mix pushing guys over and trying to recover that ball and trying to prevent Saints guys from getting into position. And that was when I first started noticing him and noticing that effort. So... I uh, really like to see that from the rookie. Yeah, it was very good to see. And, and you know, the thing about him and his college footage, you mentioned there were some great highlights. He just seems to have a nose for the football and for making big plays. And it was good to see that translate in his, you know, first extended action on uh, defense and special teams. And, uh, 
You know, look, number 36, Packer fans could tell you that's a, a number that comes with a lot of history. So, uh, you know, <laughs> he's got a lot to live up to wearing that number. Well, Gil, unfortunately, we have some sobering news. Uh, Alan Lazard underwent surgery today. Uh, this kind of just came out of the blue and shocked everybody. Apparently, he suffered a core muscle injury in the Saints game. And I have to admit, I had to look up what exactly is a core muscle injury because it's kind of vague. And unfortunately, uh, until we get any further info from the Packers about what specifically uh, he hurt, here's the best definition that I have to go off of. So a core muscle injury uh, has commonly been referred to in the past as a sports hernia. Uh, can include uh, abdominal muscles, obliques, even the thigh muscles. Uh, the 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 core muscle area, when it's uh, being referred to in this uh, sense, actually ranges from the mid chest all the way down to just above the knees. So, kind of a um, real broad and um, not super helpful description here. So, we actually found out. Uh, in the middle of this afternoon today on Thursday that he was hurt at all. Uh, he didn't mention anything in his post game conference over zoom. And he was treated by, uh, I believe his name is Dr. William Myers, uh, who has performed um, surgery to repair core muscle injuries for Geronimo Allison, Bob Tanyan, and also Demarius Randall in recent years. And unfortunately, um, just a couple hours later, we found out that, in fact, Lazard did require surgery. So he is out indefinitely. Uh, God imagine he's going to miss at least like six weeks, possibly the rest of the season. This is kind of a banged up receiving core right now. We have um, Equinemius is on IR, although he it, I believe he could come back as early as next week if it weren't our bye week. Right, but I think he um, should be eligible to play at least for the Buccaneers game if he's healthy. No word at all about that. Obviously, there's been a lot of concern over Devonte and his hamstring. We're we're kind of thin at wide receiver. We have um, MVS, obviously. Um, hopefully, Devonte can get back. We also uh, Darius Shepard was um, officially signed to the active roster. Last week, uh, right before the Saints game, uh, Malik Taylor is on there as well. Tyler Irvin uh, is technically still a running back, but he spent a lot of the offseason and preseason working out as a wide receiver. You got to wonder if the Packers are going to go ahead and call somebody else up from the practice squad. I, I got to be honest, I don't really like the depth that we have on the practice squad either. There has been some talk about possibly calling up Jake Kumaro, who's sitting over on the uh, Bills practice squad. Um, I feel like that might be a better option than any of the guys currently on the practice squad, but... Well, it would make sense, let's put it that way, to uh, get in touch with Jake Kumaro and to try to add him. He knows the playbook, obviously. He knows Aaron Rodgers, and he knows what's required of him. He's a good run blocker for a wide yeah. receiver, which is something that the Packers always appreciate. So realistically, it would make a lot of sense. I mean, some of these guys who they're adding to the practice squad, 
don't know the system, you get the feeling that's the uh, in case of emergency break glass kind of guys who they're signing at this point. So hopefully uh, they will be able to uh, maybe get Kumaro. Uh, obviously, Devin Funches has opted out. He's not an option. Uh, but yeah, it's getting really thin. I'm hoping that, you know, EQ can come back soon because the depth is lacking. And I know we're going to see a lot of Tyler Irvin as a wide receiver this week. I have to imagine we're going to see Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones really involved in the passing game as well. And of course, Matt LaFleur really likes his tight ends. Uh, Bob Tanyan had himself a really big week. Uh, Jay Sternberger had a really nice comeback after his really nasty performance in the Lions game. Although I got to I got to say, uh, it feels like every single year the Lions manage to make uh, various players on our team just look horrible. Uh, you know, uh, Mason Crosby comes to mind from just uh, two years ago, you know, with a performance that had a lot of people wondering if he was going to get replaced. The Packers do have, I believe, only three wide receivers currently on the practice squad. Um, actually, so sorry, uh, the four, there's a, another one. Uh, yes, right. yesterday the Packers signed wide receiver Caleb Scott in addition to Reggie Begleton and, uh, Robert Foster. But today they also signed a guy by the name of Juwan Winfrey. Uh, I don't know a ton about Winfrey yet. Mr. Caleb Scott is a 2019 undrafted free agent. He has never played a single NFL game. Uh, he spent some time uh, on the Seahawks practice squad uh, before we picked him up. Yeah, and again, you know, how much of our offense does he know the terminology, the the routes? The, the issue always becomes, especially with Aaron Rodgers, developing a sense of trust. And obviously there's not enough time to do that before no. Monday night's game. Nope. No, none of these guys are an answer for this week. Um Juwan Winfrey, for the record, uh, he was also uh, a, a 2019 player. He was actually drafted by the Broncos in the sixth round. Um, but, you know, he didn't get um, really much playing time at all. Uh, he played in three games, but never caught any balls. So we, d- we just don't have a lot of options on the practice squad. You got to imagine that at least um, until after the bye, when uh, Devontae will hopefully be back by that point. The Packers probably still are rolling with who they have. Maybe they call up a guy like Begleton off of the practice squad. Maybe you get EQ back from IR. I think both of those options are kind of on the unlikely side though. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they uh, elevated Shepard ahead of Begleton, I think speaks volumes. If uh, he was ready, they would have activated him already. So uh, look, it's a tough transition from the Canadian Football League, wider field, 12 players on each side, motion before the snap, uh, to the NFL. So, obviously, he needs a little bit more time. There was no preseason. There was a limited offseason. And uh, he's probably not ready to, to, to play under game conditions. And again, uh, especially with Aaron Rodgers, who requires precision and chemistry with his receivers. Gil, on the other side of the ball, we have some other concerns. Uh, Obviously, Kenny Clark uh, is still missing. We don't have any kind of a timeline on him. He was limited in practice this week, so that is an improvement over what we have seen um, for kind of a while now. The Packers' defense 
like you mentioned, they did come up big in a couple of key moments, but that was really overshadowed by a really, really sloppy performance, especially in their run defense. I know last week when you and I talked, I suggested that the Packers run defense was probably going to get better this week as a result of having Matt LaFleur make it a bigger priority in practice. Gil, what we saw on Sunday night was uh, a a pretty embarrassing display of a a complete lack of ability to tackle. Um, The the biggest highlight of the night, obviously, was Kamara's massive run where the Packers missed uh, five tackles on that one run alone. Matt LaFleur said he counted 13 uh, uh, missed tackles over the entire night. That led to, I believe, 197 yards rushing for Alvin Kamara. I'm getting a little bit tired of having every running back that we go up against over the last few games set either personal records, team records, or in some cases, Raheem Mostert, world records in rushing against our defense. There's a lot of questions here. There are, and it's frustrating. And that that was one of the worst exhibitions of tackling. I, I mean... There are high school teams who tackle better than that. No, no offense to anybody, but it was like every player took a poor angle. Every player was late. Every player, uh, or or both of those things, and the result was you know arm tackling instead of getting your shoulder in there, and and nobody was able to bring Kamara down on that play, and it was a poor exhibition. And then you add to that the injury to Christian Kirksey and the lack of experience that the Packers have at inside linebacker behind him. The fact that Kenny Clark is still up in the air with his status. And you're talking about, you know, two of the more important players who the Packers count on to stop the run. Yeah. And Gil, another big concern here is that although we are missing some of these key players, we also have guys who are historically underperforming. So Christian Kirksey is out for um, at least some time, but he, uh, up until his injury, he was having the worst game, uh, the worst season of his career. Uh, Yeah, he did not look good. He did not look good. Preston Smith has been invisible, and, you know, I I love Zadarius, but he's underperforming right now. He's, this is not the Zadarius Smith that we had last year. It's certainly not the Zadarius that we need this year if we're going to make a serious run. And we have uh, our, our offense through three weeks. We put up 122 points. We are in the conversation for um, being ranked up in the top five uh, offenses um, in recent history. Uh, the 2013 uh, Broncos had a hotter start. Uh, I believe through four weeks they were at 190 some points. Um, so we're kind of a ways off from that, but we're currently, uh, if, if the Packers put up, I believe the magic number is 38 points. We will tie for second place in, um, in, uh, scoring offenses through the first four weeks, um, in, in the modern era. Yeah, the offensive performance has truly been impressive. And I think the beautiful thing about it is how many different ways they were able to do it. Week one was all, Devon, not all, but focusing on Devontae Adams. 
Week two was Aaron Jones. Week three was Alan Lazard and then the tight ends. And you always have the running backs involved in the passing game and Tyler Irvin involved in the passing game. No Devontae Adams in week three. We're still not sure what his status is going to be going forward. But the fact that different people are coming up big, I think bodes well for this team because it shows the depth and it it shows that they are capable of getting contributions up and down the lineup. And look, let's face it, after what's happening with the Tennessee Titans right now, uh, having depth is critical in the National Football League in 2020. Yeah, and for anybody who doesn't uh, know what's going on with the Titans, the Titans have had, I believe so far, five players have tested positive for the coronavirus um, in the last couple of days. And so their game this Sunday with the Steelers has actually been postponed. Uh, if I um, if I am understanding correctly, I believe that the Titans and Steelers actually have the same bye week later in the season. And so they will be taking an early bye this week and they will meet later in the season. And it's a reminder that although it has, for the most part, felt like a nice, normal uh, NFL season, there is a you know serious risk that you, even if your team doesn't miss time, you can miss time from some key players um, who... You know, if 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 you are in a position where you are without your star wide receiver, without your quarterback and heck, I mean, injuries have been insane across the league, uh, largely uh, likely and because of the complete lack of a preseason, no preseason games for guys to start playing some real football and toughening their bodies up to get ready to play actual football. Depth is key here. And the Packers had an insanely healthy season last year, even though Devontae missed four games, uh, even though Jay Sternberger missed most of the season, even though Equinemius missed most of the season, compared to the rest of the league, that was a hugely healthy season. And that's going to be a huge factor for any team that wants to go deep this year in, um, in, in pursuit of a Super Bowl. It is going to be a very big factor. And look, you know, you also have situations where, look, the Minnesota Vikings, for example, they played the Titans last week. They have to be very wary and hope that no outbreak starts on their roster. The Pittsburgh Steelers season has now been disrupted, even though no players yet on their roster have tested positive. But as a preventative measure, they are postponed this weekend's game. Uh there are going to be bumps along the road, and, and we know the statistics in Green Bay and the surrounding areas right now. It's, it's not an easy time for the residents of Brown County and Green Bay, and hopefully the players and, and the, the fans and everybody can stay safe during this very difficult time. Absolutely. Gil, something you mentioned a minute ago, talking about the other kinds of weapons that we have in this offense that the offense has found different ways to put up huge scores each week. I liked that so far through three weeks, there's still major weapons that haven't really needed to be involved yet. I I thought that we would see a lot more of Tyler Irvin last week against the saints. It seemed like a great opportunity to use his talents turned out, that wasn't needed. That wasn't the game plan that LaFleur brought. 
Uh, as you said, the, the tight ends were a big focus. Uh, Bob Tanyan had himself a big game. Jay Sternberger had a big game. Mercedes Lewis, who was uh, the highest graded, uh, according to PFF, player on the team last week. He was phenomenal. Let's break down, looking ahead at this Falcons game, what's the best way to attack the Falcons here? And at the same time, what are the keys that we need to be prepared to prevent the Falcons from dominating against us? Yeah, well, look, obviously, when you look at the Atlanta Falcons, two things step up and and grab you right away. They are third in the league right now, excuse me, with 320.3 passing yards per game. And you think about Ryan and you think about Julio Jones, two of the uh, Ryan. No, he's not the same quarterback he was when Matt LaFleur was there and he had his MVP season taking Atlanta to the Super Bowl. But he is certainly still a quality NFL quarterback. And as we were discussing before we started recording, Julio Jones, one of the best, if not the best receivers in the game. Um, And certainly the matchup of Jair Alexander against Julio Jones, if Mike Pettin decides to have Jair try to shadow Julio, uh, that to me is something I would love to watch. And you know, next week when I get a chance to watch the All-22, that's going to be a great matchup to keep an eye on. <laughs> now, the Packers might be catching another lucky break here in that Calvin Ridley has an ankle injury. He did not participate in practice uh, today. We'll see uh, what happens tomorrow. Uh, but if he misses time, that makes the job a lot easier for the Packers' secondary. And the Falcons, uh, one of the nice things is that they are really terrible in the running game. Even though they have Todd Gurley, this is not a team that runs well at all. And running against the Packers is clearly your best strategy. So the Falcons here are at a serious disadvantage, especially if Calvin Ridley can't play. You're looking at, Hayden Hurst and Julio Jones possibly trying to carry this entire game. Yeah, no question about that. And look, Todd Gurley is not the same player he was before his knee injury and the arthritis and everything else. Not that I would ignore him by any stretch of the imagination, but he's no longer the dominant back that he was three years ago, let's say. And the other thing about uh, running the ball against the Packers, and this is certainly part of the strategy that Mike Pettin and the Packers coaching staff utilizes. You have to run early or you may not be able to run at all because the Packers offense is such a well-oiled machine right now. If they're going to drop, you know, 37 points, 42 points, 41 points on you, uh, you can't run the ball unless you're matching them point for point, And that's a tough challenge. It is. This is the 32nd ranked defense in the league going up against the number one ranked offense. Uh, number one scoring offense in the league. This feels like it should be a blowout. So why am I nervous about this? I, <laughs> I am nervous. I am nervous because we could potentially be missing Devonte again. We could be leaning on a bunch of guys who are not used to being the number one in this offense and who are used to 
succeeding because they're overlooked by the defense a lot of the time. The other thing is that there's kind of still a lot riding on this game with the Falcons. Not only is it obviously a game within the NFC, which would have, um, you know, ramifications when it comes to playoff seating. But 2016 was not that long ago. 2016, the championship game uh, still stings. Actually, the um, the Falcons beat us earlier that same year in Week 7. Then they came back in 2017 in Week 2 and kicked our butts again. Uh, fortunately, in 2018, when both the Falcons and Packers were terrible, <laughs> we <laughs> we did manage to embarrass them uh, with uh, interim head coach Joe Philbin at the helm. But I, I got to imagine that Aaron still has a chip on his shoulder. He's still stinging for 2016. I got to imagine he's going to be kind of happy to have an opportunity to embarrass Matt Ryan again. He will be no question about that. And you know what you bring up 2016 and that's all legitimate But how about the 2010 playoffs? I think Aaron Rodgers probably had one of the best games, if not the best game of his career in that playoff matchup in 2010 in Atlanta against the top-seeded Falcons. So I I guess, you know, the Falcons, not a lot of players left from 2010, but certainly Falcons fans and coaches are going to remember that performance as well. And, of course, in case anyone forgot, Matt LaFleur, our beloved head coach who is still marching on his scorched earth revenge tour for Ah. the disrespect in 2019. He was Matt Ryan's head coach. uh, I'm sorry. uh, Quarterback coach. Quarterback coach. In 2016. Tables have turned here. It's, it's nice to have Matt LaFleur on our side, have his brilliant offensive mind here. I like the Packers in this matchup. I like him to put up a lot of points. I think the Packers are going to put up 45 points this week. Unfortunately, the Falcons might also score a lot of points. Uh, I I still think the Packers are going to win, but I think this is going to be a high-scoring game similar to what we saw in week one uh, with the Vikings. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm thinking along the lines of 45-31, something like that. Uh And I think there will be a turnover somewhere along the line that puts the Packers ahead and gives them a little distance from the Atlanta Falcons. I I just don't see the Atlanta defense being able to slow down Aaron Rodgers, even if Lazard and maybe possibly Devontae are not able to go. I I, I just think that Rodgers will be good enough to—and this offense is good enough— to get to scheme people open and to make enough plays. And you still have Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? One thing I wanted to mention quickly, when exactly does Matt LaFleur start to get consideration as being one of the better coaches in the national football league? I, I, I think at this point, if going, what is it now? 16 and three in the regular season, um, Gosh, eight and zero in our division, having right. a number number one scoring offense in the league, a historically great offense in the league through three weeks. If that's not doing it, 
I, I say at this point he's got to win a Super Bowl in order to get the kind of um, lavish praises that uh, Sean McVay got after going 11 and five or Matt Nagy got after the 2018 season when we're hearing about how brilliant these coaches are. <laughs> hey, here's what Lafleur's doing so far. He's repeating. He had a good first year. He's repeating and showing that it's not just a fluke. I can still win and, in fact, get better after a really impressive first year. And, and I love the way he's made adjustments. And, look, everybody was questioning whether he and Aaron Rodgers could get along, how Aaron Rodgers is challenging to a coach. They're nearly the same age, roughly. They're, you know, a couple of years apart. And yet what I love about LaFleur is the flexibility he showed in slowly integrating his offense, mixing it up with the old offense, installing more of it in year two, going heavily in week one this year to Devontae Adams, then going to Aaron Jones, then going to Alan Lazard. Whatever the defense gives him, he's going to make sure he can get it. And he shows that he's not dogmatic, that he can adjust, and his play calling is good, his game planning is good, and you just have to be very pleased with what you've seen from him so far. And during this very strange offseason and season with no fans in the stands and and no preseason games, et cetera, et cetera. This team is cohesive. This team is united. And their attitude has been excellent so far. Yeah, I really like that uh, LaFleur goes with what is working. Uh, that was obviously for years a complaint that we had about McCarthy is, oh, hey, wow, look, this Aaron Jones kid is a really good running back. Man, I wonder if, oh, we're, we're, we're not going to let him keep playing. Okay, yeah. we're going to. We're just going to do what you want to do, regardless of whether something else is working. No, Matt LaFleur, all gas, no break. He wants to keep his foot on your throat and keep scoring and keep pounding the rock until the game is over. And I love it. I love that he is willing to just do whatever it takes to win, whether that means, you know, drawing up a uh, uh, totally new, um, you know, plays when, when things aren't working whether it's going ahead and saying, yeah, let's let's throw this kid, Al Mazard, into this Lions game that it looks like we have no chance of winning and go ahead and you know let him fill in for Devontae. And like you said, Gil, the Packers are kind of hard to predict right now. They are um, all over the place in terms of what they are capable of doing. And so that has translated into being all over the place in – what they are doing and are doing well. So with that being said, how hard they are to predict. Do you want to get into some fearless predictions? Uh, I'm going with a four and start to this season, heading into the bye week. Like I said, I'm looking at 45 31 uh, with, with a late touchdown to, to, you know, salt the game away, maybe with two, three minutes left. I like it. I'm going to say I don't think Kenny Clark or Devontae play this week. And I think that LaFleur makes it work just beautifully with all the other weapons he's got, uh, both on offense and defense. I think we're going to probably see another disappointing uh, performance from the defense, but they're they're still going to come up on some big plays that do turn turn the tide of the game, particularly in probably the third quarter maybe the second quarter, 
I think this is still a very potent offense without Al Lazard and without Devontae Adams. Well, you got the two Aarons, so I agree with you. Uh, the, the, this team is dangerous. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we really appreciate it. This is a fun podcast to do. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We are at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. We love talking to fans. Make sure you're subscribed to No Huddle Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, carry the G and go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.